0: I feared therefore that this wicked sin of mine might be that sin unpardonable of which he there thus speaketh, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Mark three twenty nine. And I did the rather give credit to this because of that sentence in the Hebrews. For ye know how that afterwards when he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected for he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears and this struck always with me and now I was both a burden and a terror to myself nor did I ever so much as know now what it was to be weary of my life and yet afraid to die. Oh, how gladly now would I have been anybody but myself, anything but a man, and in any condition but my own, for there was nothing did pass more frequently over my mind than that it was impossible for me to be forgiven my transgression and to be saved from the wrath to come. And now I began to labor to call again time that was past, wishing a thousand times twice told that day was yet to come when I should be tempted to such a sin, concluding with great indignation, both against my heart in all assaults, how I would rather be torn in pieces than to be found a consenter thereto. But alas, these thoughts and wishes and resolvings were now too late to help me. This thought had passed my heart. God hath let me go, and I am fallen. Oh, thought I, that it was with me as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me. Job 29, 2. And then again, being loath and unwilling to perish, I began to compare my sin with others to see if I could find that any of those that were saved had done as I had done. So I considered David's adultery and murder and found them most heinous crimes in those two committed after light and grace received. But yet, by considering that his transgressions were only such as were against the law of Moses, From which the Lord Christ could, with the consent of his word, deliver him. But mine was against the gospel, yea, against the mediator thereof. I had sold my Savior. Now again would I be as if racked upon the wheel, When I consider that besides the guilt that possessed me, I should be so void of grace, so bewitched. What thought I? Must it be no sin but this? Must it needs be the great transgression? Must that wicked one touch my soul? Psalms 19.13 1 John 5.18 Oh, what sting did I find in all these sentences? What, thought I? Is there but one sin that is unpardonable? But one sin that layeth the soul without the reach of God's mercy? And must I be guilty of that? Must it needs be that? Is there but one sin among so many millions of sins for which there is no forgiveness? And must I commit this? Oh, unhappy sin! Oh, unhappy man! These things would so break and confound my spirit that I could not tell what to do. I thought at times they would have broken my wits and still to aggravate my misery that would run in my mind. Ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Oh, no one knows the terrors of those days but myself. Chapter 7 After this I began to consider of Peter's sin, which he committed in denying his master. And indeed this came nighest to mine of any that I could find, for he had denied his Savior as I, after light and mercy received, yea, and that too after warning given him. I also considered that he did it once and twice, and that after time to consider between, but though I put all these circumstances together that, if possible, I might find help, yet I considered again that his was but a denial of his Master, but mine was a selling of my Saviour. Wherefore I thought with myself that I came nearer to Judas than either to David or Peter. Here again, my torment would flame out and afflict me, yea, it would grind me as it were to powder, to consider the preservation of God towards others while I fell into the snare. For in my thus considering other men's sins, and comparing them with mine own, I could evidently see that God preserved them, notwithstanding their wickedness, and would not let them, as he had let me, become a son of perdition. But, oh, how did my soul at this time prize the preservation that God did set about his people? Ah, how safely did I see them walk whom God had hedged in. They were within His care, protection, and special providence, though they were full as bad as I by nature. Yet because He loved them, He would not suffer them to fall without the range of mercy. But as for me, I was gone. I had done it. He would not preserve me, nor keep me, but suffered me, because I was a reprobate, to fall as I had done. Now did those blessed places that speak of God's keeping his people shine like the sun before me, though not to comfort me, yet to show me the blessed state and heritage of those whom the Lord had blessed. Now I saw that as God had his hand in all providences and dispensations that overtook his elect, so he had his hand in all the temptations that they had to sin against him, not to animate them to wickedness, but to choose their temptations and troubles for them And also to leave them for a time to such things, only as might not destroy, but humble them. As might not put them beyond, but lay them in the way of the renewing of his mercy. But oh, what love, what care, what kindness and mercy did I now see mixing itself with the most severe and dreadful of all God's ways to his people. He would let David, Hezekiah, Solomon, Peter, and others fall. But he would not let them fall into the sin unpardonable, nor into hell for sin. Oh, thought I, these be the men that God hath loved. These be the men that God, though he chastised them, keeps in safety by him and whom he makes to abide under the shadow of the Almighty but all these thoughts added sorrow grief and horror to me as whatever I now thought on it was killing to me if I thought how God kept his own that was killing to me If I thought of how I was fallen myself, that was killing to me. As all things wrought together for the best, and to do good to them that were the called according to his purpose, so I thought that all things wrought for damage and for my eternal overthrow. Then again I began to compare my sin with the sin of Judas that, if possible, I might find, if mine differed from that, which in truth is unpardonable. And, oh, thought I, if it should differ from it, so but the breath of a hair, what a happy condition is my soul in. And by considering, I found, that Judas did his intentionally, But mine was against praying and strivings. Besides, his was committed with such deliberation, but mine in a fearful hurry on a sudden. All this while I was tossed to and fro like the locusts and driven from trouble to sorrow, hearing always the sound of Esau's fall in mine ears and the dreadful consequences thereof. This consideration about Judas' sin was for a while some little relief to me, for I saw I had not as to the circumstances transgressed so fully as he. But this was quickly gone again, for I thought with myself there might be more ways than one to commit this unpardonable sin. Also I thought there might be degrees of that as well as other transgressions. Wherefore, for aught I yet could perceive, this inequity of mine might be such as might never be passed by. I was often now ashamed that I should be like such an ugly man as Judas. I thought also how loathsome I should be unto all the saints in the day of judgment insomuch that now I could scarce see a good man that I believed had a good conscience. But I would feel my heart tremble at him while I was in his presence. Oh, now I saw a glory in walking with God, and what a mercy it was to have a good conscience before him. I was much about this time tempted to contend myself By receiving some false opinions, as that there should be no such thing as the day of judgment, that we should not rise again, and that sin was no grievous thing, the tempter suggesting thus. If these things should indeed be true, yet to believe otherwise would yield you ease for the present. If you must perish, never torment yourself so much beforehand. Drive those thoughts of damning out of your mind by possessing your mind with some conclusion that atheists and ranters used to help themselves with all. But, oh, when such thought have fled through my heart, how, as it were within a step, have death and judgment been in my view. Methought the judge stood at the door. I was as if it was come already so that such things could have no entertainment. But methinks I see by this that Satan will use any means to keep the soul from Christ. He loveth not an awakened frame of spirit. Security, blindness, darkness, and error are the very kingdom and habitation of the wicked one. I found it a hard work now to pray to God because despair was swallowing me up. I thought I I was as with a tempest driven away from God. For always when I cried to God for mercy, this would come in. It is too late. I am lost. God hath let me fall. Not to my correction, but my condemnation. My sin is unpardonable, and I know, concerning Esau, How that, after he sold his birthright, he would have received the blessing but was rejected. About this time I did light on the dreadful story of that miserable mortal, Francis Spira, a book that was to my troubled spirit as salt when rubbed into a fresh wound. Every sentence in that book, every groan of that man With all the rest of his actions and his dolors, as his prayers, as his tears, his gnashing of teeth, his wringing of hands, his twisting and languishing and pining away under the mighty hand of God that was upon him, there were as knives and daggers in my soul. Especially that sentence of his was frightful to me. Man knows the beginning of sin, but who bounds the issues thereof? Then would the former sentence, as the conclusion of all, fall like a thunderbolt again upon my conscience? For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Then would I be struck into a very great trembling insomuch that if sometimes I could for whole days together feel my very body as well as my mind shake and totter under the sense of this dreadful judgment of God that would fall on those that have sinned that most fearful and unpardonable sin. I felt also such a clogging and heat in my stomach by reason of this terror. That I was especially at some times as if my breastbone would split asunder, then I thought concerning that of Judas, who by his falling headlong burst asunder, and all his bowels gushed out acts one eighteen I feared also that this was the mark that God did set on Cain, even continual fear and trembling under the heavy load of guilt that he had charged on him for the blood of his brother Abel. Thus did I wind and twine and shrink under the burden that was upon me, which burdened it so oppress me that I could neither stand nor go, nor lie either addressed or quiet. Yet that saying would sometimes come into my mind, He hath received gifts for the rebellious, Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen. The rebellious thought I. Why, surely they are such as once were under subject to their prince, even those who, after they have once sworn subjection to his government, have taken up arms against him. And this, thought I, is my very condition. I once loved him, feared him. Served him. But now I am a rebel. I have sold him. I have said let him go if he will. But yet he has gifts for rebels. And then why not for me? This sometimes I thought on. And would labor hard to take hold thereof that some, though small refreshment, might have been conceived by me. But in this also I missed of my desire. I was driven with force beyond it. I was like a man going to execution, even by that place where he would fain creep in and hide himself, but may not. Again, after I had thus considered the sins of the saints in particular and found mine went beyond them, then I began to think with myself Is that the case as I should Put all theirs together, and mine alone against them. Might I not then find encouragement? For if mine, though bigger than any one, yet should be but equal to all, then there is hope. For that blood that hath virtue enough in it to wash away all theirs, has virtue enough in it to wash away mine, though this one be full as big if not bigger than all theirs. Here again, I would consider the sin of David, of Solomon, of Manasseh, of Peter, and the rest of the grave offenders, and would also labor what I might with fairness to aggravate and heighten their sin by several circumstances. I would think with myself that David shed blood to cover his adultery, And that by the sword of the children of Ammonim, a work that could not be done, but by contrivance, which was a great aggravation to his sin. But then this would turn upon me, ah, but these were but sins against the law, from which there was a Jesus sent to save them, but yours is a sin against the Savior, and who shall save you from that? Then I thought on Solomon, and how he sinned in loving strange women, in falling away to their idols, in building them temples, in doing this after light in his old age, after great mercy received. But then the same conclusion that cut me off in the former consideration, cut me off as to this, namely, that all these were but sins against the law for which God had provided a remedy. But I had sold my Savior, and there remained no more sacrifice for sin. I would then add to these men's sins, the sins of Manasseh, how that he built altars for idols in the house of the Lord. He also observed times, used enchantments, had to do with wizards, was a wizard, had his familiar spirits, burnt his children, in sacrifice to devils, and made the streets of Jerusalem run down with the blood of innocence. These thought I are great sins, sins of a bloody color, but yet it will turn again upon me. They are none of them of the nature of yours. You have parted with Jesus, you have sold your Savior. This one consideration would always kill my heart. My sin was point-blank against my Savior, and that, too, at such a height that I had in my heart, said of him, Let him go, if he will. me, thought this sin was bigger than the sins of a country, of a kingdom, or of the whole world. No one pardonable, nor all of them together, was able to equal mine. Mine outwent them, every one. Now I would find in my mind to flee from God as from the face of a dreadful judge. If this was my torment, I could not escape his hand. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 But blessed be his grace, that scripture in these flying fits would call as running after me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions. And as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Isaiah 42.22 This, I say, would come in upon my mind when I was fleeing from the face of God. For I did flee from his face, that is, my mind and my spirit fled before him. By reason of his highness I could not endure. Then would the text cry, Return unto me it would cry out loud with a very great voice, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Indeed, this would make me a little stop, and, as it were, look over my shoulder behind me to see if I could discern that the God of grace did follow me with a pardon in his hand. But I could no sooner do that, but all would be clouded and darkened again by that sentence. For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Wherefore I could not refrain, but fled, though at sometimes he cried, return, return, as if it did follow after me, but I fear too close and therewith, lest it should not come from God. For that other, as I said, was still sounding in my conscience. For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Etc. Once as I was walking to and fro in a good man's shop, bemoaning myself in my sad and doleful state, afflicting myself with self-abhorrence for this wicked and ungodly thought, Lamenting also this hard lap of mine, that I should commit so great a sin, greatly fearing that I should not be pardoned, praying also in my heart that if this sin of mine did differ from that against the Holy Ghost, the Lord would show it me. And being now ready to sink with fear, suddenly there was as if there had rushed in at the window the noise of wind upon me but very pleasant and as if I heard a voice speaking didst thou ever refuse to be justified by the blood of Christ and withal, my whole life of profession passed was in a moment opened unto me, wherein I was made to see that designedly I had not. So my heart answered growingly, No. Then fell with power that word of God upon me, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. Hebrews 12.25 this made a strange seizure upon my spirit. It brought light with it and commanded a silence in my heart of all those tumultuous thoughts that did before use like masterless hellhounds to roar and bellow and make a hideous noise within me. It showed me also that Jesus Christ had yet a word of grace and mercy for me, that he had not, as I feared, quite forsaken and cast off my soul. Yea, this was a kind of check for my proneness to desperation, a kind of threatening of me, if I did not, notwithstanding my sins and the henuous of them, venture my salvation upon the Son of God. But after my determining about this strange dispensation, what it was, I know not. Or from whence it came, I know not. I have not yet in twenty years' time been able to make a judgment of it. I thought then what I should be loath here to speak. But verily that sudden rushing wind was as if an angel had come upon me, both it and the salvation I will leave until the day of judgment. Only this I say, it commanded a great calm in my soul. It persuaded me there might be hope. It showed me, as I thought, what the sin unpardonable was, and that my soul had yet the blessed privilege to flee to Jesus Christ for mercy. But I say concerning this dispensation, I know not yet what to say of it, which also was in truth the cause that at first I did not speak of it in the book. I do now also leave it to be thought on by men of sound judgment. I lay not the stress of my salvation thereupon, but upon the Lord Jesus in the promise. Yet seeing I am here unfolding my secret things, I thought it might not be altogether inexpedient to let this also show itself, though I cannot now relate the matter as then I did experience it. This lasted in the Savior of it for about three or four days, and then I began to mistrust and to despair again. Wherefore still my life hung in doubt before me, not knowing which way I should go. Only this I found my sole desire, even to cast itself at the foot of grace by prayer and supplication. But, oh, it was hard for me now to have the face to pray to this Christ for mercy against whom I had thus vilely sinned. It was hard work, I say, to offer to look him in the face against whom I had so vilely sinned. And indeed, I have found it as difficult to come to God by prayer, after backsliding from him, as to do any other thing. Oh, the shame that did now attend me, especially when I thought, Am I? Now I going to pray to him for mercy that I had so lightly esteemed but a while before. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because this villainy had been committed by me. But I saw that there was but one way with me. I must go to him and humble myself unto him and beg that he, of his wonderful mercy, would show pity to me, and have mercy upon my wretched, sinful soul, which, when the tempter perceived, he strongly suggested to me that I ought not to pray to God, for prayer was not for any in my case, neither could it do me good, because I had rejected the mediator by whom all prayers came with acceptance to God the Father, and without whom no prayer could come into his presence. Wherefore now to pray is but to add sin to sin, yea, now to pray, seeing God hath cast you off, is the next way to anger and offend him more than you ever did before. For God, saith he, hath been weary of you for these several years already, because you are none of his. Your bawling in his ears hath been no pleasant voice to him, and therefore he let you sin the sin, that you might be quite cut off, and will you pray still? This the devil urged and set forth that in Numbers when Moses said to the children of Israel, that because they would not go up to possess the land when God would have them, therefore forever did he bar them out from thence. Though they prayed, they might with tears. Numbers 14, 36, etc. As it is said in another place, the man that sins presumptuously shall be taken from God's altar that he may die. Even as Joab was by King Solomon when he thought to find shelter there. Exodus 21, verse 14, 1 Kings 2, verses 28 through 34. These places did pinch me very sore, yet, my case being desperate, I thought with myself, I can but die. And if it must be so, it shall once be said to such and one died at the foot of Christ in prayer. This I did, but with great difficulty. God doth know, and that because, together with this, still that saying about Esau would be set at my heart, even like a flaming sword, to keep the way of the tree of life, lest I should take thereof and live. Oh, who knows how hard a thing I found it to come to God in prayer. I did also desire the prayers of the people of God for me. But I feared that God would give them no heart to do it. Yea, I trembled in my soul to think that some or other of them would shortly tell me that God had said those words to them that he once did say to the prophet concerning the children of Israel, Pray not for this people, for I will not hear them. Jeremiah 11.14 So pray not for him, for I have rejected him. Yea, I thought that he had whispered this to some of them already. Only they durst not tell me so. Neither durst I ask them of it for fear. If it should be so, it would make me quite besides myself? Man knows the beginning of sin, said Spira, but who bounds the issues thereof? About this time I took an opportunity to break my mind to an ancient Christian and told him all my case. I told him also that I was afraid that I had sinned the sin against the Holy Ghost. And he told me he thought so too. Here, therefore, I had but cold comfort. But talking a little more with him, I found him, though a good man, a stranger to much combat with the devil. Wherefore, I went to God again, as well as I could, for mercy still. Now also did the tempter begin to mock me in my misery, saying that, Seeing I had thus parted with the Lord Jesus and provoked him to displeasure, who would have stood between my soul and the flame of the devouring fire, there was now but one way, and that was to pray that God the Father would be a mediator between his Son and me, that he would be reconciled again, and that I might have that blessed benefit in him that his saints enjoyed. Then did that scripture seize upon my soul. He is of one mind, and who can turn him? Oh, I saw it was as easy to persuade him to make a new covenant, or a new Bible, besides those we have already, as to pray for such a thing. This was to persuade him that what he had done already was mere folly, and persuade him to alter, yea, to disannul the whole way of salvation. And then would that saying rend my soul asunder. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Now the most free and full and gracious words of the gospel were the greatest torment to me. Yea, nothing so afflicted me as thought of Jesus Christ, the remembrance of a savor, because I cast him off, brought forth the felony of my sin and my loss by it to mind. Nothing did twinge my conscience like this. Everything that I thought of the Lord Jesus, of his grace, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, death, blood promises and blessed exhortations comforts and consolations went to my soul like a sword for still unto these my considerations of the Lord Jesus these thoughts would make place for themselves in my heart I this is the Jesus the loving Savior, the Son of God whom you have parted with whom you have slighted, despised, and abused. This is the only Savior, the only Redeemer, the only one that could so love sinners as to wash them from their sins in His own most precious blood. But you have no part nor lot in this Jesus. You have put Him from you. You have said in your heart, Let him go, if he will. Now therefore you are severed from him. You have severed yourself from him. Behold then his goodness, but yourself to be no partaker of it. Oh, thought I, what have I lost? What have I parted with? What was disinherited? My poor soul. Oh, it is sad to be destroyed by the grace and mercy of God. To have the Lamb, the Savior, turn lion and destroyer. Revelations chapter 6 I also trembled, as I have said, at the sight of the saints of God, especially at those that greatly loved Him and that made it their business to walk continually with Him in this world. For they did, both in their words, their carriage, and all their expressions of tenderness and fear to sin against their precious Savior, condemn, lay guilt upon, and also add continual affliction and shame unto my soul. The dread of them was upon me, and I trembled at God's Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. Chapter 8. Now also the tempter began afresh to mock my soul another way, saying that Christ indeed did pity my case, and was sorry for my loss. But forasmuch as I had sinned and transgressed as I had, he could by no means help me, nor save me from what I feared. For my sin was not of the nature of theirs for whom he bled and died. Neither was it counted with those that were laid to his charge when he hung on the tree. Therefore, unless he should come down from heaven and die anew for this sin, though indeed he did greatly pity me, yet I could have no benefit of him. These things may seem ridiculous to others even as ridiculous as they were in themselves. But to me, they were a most tormenting congregations. Every one of them augmented my misery that Jesus Christ should have so much love as to pity me, when yet he could not help me too. Nor did I think that the reason why he could not help me was because his merits were weak, or his grace and salvation spent on others already but because his faithfulness to his threatenings would not let him extend his mercy to me. Besides, I thought, as I have already hinted, that my sin was not within the bounds of that pardon that was wrapped up in a promise. And if not, then I knew surely that it was more easy for heaven and earth to pass away than for me to have eternal life so that the ground of all these fears of mine did arise from a steadfast belief I had of the stability of the Holy Word of God and also from my being misinformed of the nature of my sin. But, oh, how this would add to my affliction to conceive that I should be guilty of such a sin for which he did not die. These thoughts did so confound me. And imprison me and tie me up from faith, that I knew not what to do. But, oh, thought I, that he would come down again. Oh, that the work of man's redemption was yet to be done by Christ. How would I pray him and entreat him to count and reckon this sin among the rest for which he died? But this scripture would strike me down as dead. Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Romans 6, 9 Thus by the strange and unusual assaults of the temper, my soul was like a broken vessel, driven as with the winds, and tossed sometimes headlong into despair, sometimes upon the covenant of works, and sometimes to wish that the new covenant and the conditions thereof might, so far as I thought myself concerned, be turned another way and changed. But in all these things I was as those that jostle against the rocks, more broken, scattered, and rent. O the unthought of imaginations, frights, fears, and terrors that are affected by a thorough application of guilt yielding to despair. Desperation. This is as the man that hath his dwelling among the tombs with the dead, who is always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Mark five, verses two through five. But I say, all in vain. Desperation will not comfort him. The old covenant will not save him. Nay, heaven and earth shall pass away before one jot or tittle of the word or law of grace will fail or be removed. This I saw, this I felt, under this I groaned. Yet this advantage I got thereby, namely, a farther confirmation of the certainty of the way of salvation, and that the scriptures were the word of God. Oh, I cannot now express what I then saw and felt of the steadiness of Jesus Christ, the rock of man's salvation. What was done could not be undone. Added to, nor altered I saw indeed that sin might drive the soul beyond Christ even the sin which is unpardonable but woe to him that was so driven for the word would shut him out thus was I always thinking whether I did think or do so one day I walked to a neighboring town and sat down upon a settee in the street fell into a very deep pause about the most fearful state my sin had brought me to and after long musing I lifted up my head but methought I saw as if the sun that shineth in the heavens did grudge to give light and as if the very stones in the streets and tiles upon the houses did bend themselves against me methought that all combined together to banish me out of the world was abhorred of them, and unfit to dwell among them, or be partaker of their benefits, because I had sinned against the Savior. Oh, how happy now was every creature to what I was! For they stood fast and kept their station, but I was gone and lost. Then, breaking out in the bitterness of my soul, I say to my soul with a grievous sigh, How can God comfort such a wretch? I had no sooner said it, but this returned upon me as an echo doth answer a voice. This sin is not unto death. At which I was, as if I had been raised out of the grave and cried out again, Lord, how couldst thou find out such a word as this? For I was filled with admiration at the fitness and at the unexpectedness of the sentence, the fitness of the word, the rightness of the timing of it, the power and sweetness and light and glory that came with it also were marvelous to me to find
1: this reformation audio track is a production of stillwaters revival books swrb makes thousands of classic reformation resources available free and for sale in audio video and printed formats our many free resources as well as our complete mail order catalog